Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah, that's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. I hope you're keeping well and taking care of yourself. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Oko. Today's quote is from my guest. Interrogate the nose. Interrogate the feedback. End of quote. And my guest today is Patricia Okello, author of A Candid Handbook for Women Doing Business in Kenya, founder of Circles for Women in Business, co-founder of Kayana, founder of Conferencing in a Box, and owner of Willard Production Limited, mother, entrepreneur, changemaker. Pat is passionate about helping women to live their purpose and work on those latent ideas. Pat, it's such a joy to have you here with me. Thank you so much, Dorothy. We've been looking forward to being here. Me too. I can't <laughs> believe it. And that in COVID times, I get to meet you Imagine. and chat with you. That's awesome. So before we begin, we normally have this practice of breathing in together, just to give us a chance to settle and collect our thoughts and be present. Would you join me? Yes, I will. Fantastic. So listeners, you know the drill. We breathe in to a count of five. We hold to a count of two, and then we breathe out slowly to a count of five. So Pat, let's begin. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Thank you. Now you can bring your presence back here. Thank you. That's awesome. How was that? It's really good. I, I did it with one of your previous podcasts. So I had a cheat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. Lovely. Yeah. I could hear the TikTok of the... <laughs> Oh, that's the one thing we didn't do. So, listeners, we are in the kitchen, and so the clock is ticking away. But that's okay. But I'm really thrilled to have you here. The first question I ask my guests, how has COVID been for you? And how has it affected your business and how you're looking at life now? COVID has been a blessing and a curse in many ways. If I put my business hat on, we were coming out of a really terminous time. Um, in our branding business and in the conferencing business. And actually 2020 was the year when we could actually see promise and growth. We had bookings, we had at least three great conferences and projects that would give me a lot of, a lot of passion, a lot of joy. So COVID has been a mixed bag of blessings and really proper difficulty when it comes to business. We had uh, three events immediately cancelled and exciting events we were very excited about working on um, uh, that were up, going to go up until May in our events business. And in branding, we had literally, you know, because technology has changed so much in our industry that um, what we used to do a lot of production of has completely reduced, but we had started getting, you know, new kind of work. Yeah, we got clients on retainers and interesting, exciting work um, that, that we're passionate about. Mm. Then, um, 16th of March, of course, we're told to stay home. And of course, everybody reacted, including our clients, by just you know stopping any production of any work that was happening. And it was very difficult um, in, in terms of, you know, as a leader and, you know, as the person who people are looking at to give right. direction in a, in a small business, you have to quickly, you have to move really fast. One of the things I really thank God that I have is that I'm a creative. And 
we work best under pressure as uh, creatives. And we had a couple of plans in the pipeline and I was able to use that period to really churn out a lot more work that I knew I had I needed to do, but we didn't have the time because we're always chasing the next job or the next project. We didn't have time to, you know, just to be able to work right. on. So this was so the been, blessing part. So this is well, this was the blessing part. Another thing that I think that really worked as a blessing as well as the, the time with my family, especially with my youngest son who had was having some um, issues and I felt that my, both me and my husband being home, we've been able to focus on you know dealing with that without really that stress of, you know, you've come from work and then you're just like, is he okay? Is it, uh? We're really able to, actually I was very relaxed. I, was, I remember just saying, it'll happen when it happens. Everything will just resolve itself in its own time. So that was in a way, that pressure of work and the pressure of you know, being able to pay bills, etc., mm. was removed in that way, and I was able to focus much more on um, my son and my eldest child, who's also going to be leaving the home, um, you know, by next year. So we're, we're now really, in that way, it's been good. So it's been it's been a cra crazy times, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of, you know, we were talking. I was talking to um, Sarah in the previous conversation, and she was saying how creatives react to this period of lockdown is quite different from mm. the way other people react because you're looking at ideas and suddenly you're in this hole. Yeah. Did you feel that with your team you had to go through that or how were you navigating that mm. I mean, it started with myself. Um, I remember it was beginning to feel like Groundhog Day because you just wake up and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do today? And I felt as I kept doing the same thing over and over. It wasn't really good for me. Mm. I needed to kind of do something that would change that, would give myself my, my day purpose, you know, not just, we're not just waiting for the next announcement, not um, you know, waiting for numbers to be read, you know, mm. those kind of things. I was just like, no, we need to, I'm pretty sure you need to do something. You need to take control of mm. the situation and, and create, you know, in many ways. I know you're passionate about getting women in business how has that been with the COVID times i know that your purpose has been really to support women in business how is how is that how has COVID impacted these women and what are you seeing that's new mm -hmm. or what are the lessons that they're learning mm -hmm. so if i could just go a little bit back and unfortunately you've known me through the years i really feel that I, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur and it was just out of circumstances. I got married, my husband was living in Mombasa, so of course I had to move to Mombasa and quit the job that I had in media at that time and um, then found myself in this space, still the creative space where because people knew I was a, a creative, I would be asked to work on projects and really that's what birthed the business, especially in the season that, when I was living in uh, in Mombasa and I just put, buried my head down and would just work so it became one project after the other project after the other project and before I, you know it it's 12 years of running a business hiring people um, being some form of a leader and a mentor to very young uh, people and I hadn't really you know it wasn't a, a thought through process but I did then um, have a moment um, to think back and say hey how many other Patricias are there, is it, are there possibly around whom never imagined they'd be running a business, yeah? Let alone right. hiring people, let alone ca calling themselves leaders. How many more are there? And maybe it's just because, especially if you have a really good job, you tend to become very comfortable in that space and don't want to venture into these ideas or these dreams. Or... So that was really the thing, you know, when you start thinking about that, I'm like, okay, let me write my story in a simple, in my own way, in my own simple way, and hopefully it'll encourage other, other women to try to work on their dream or the idea and actually believe that they can earn and make money from it. So that's really the thing that was driving me um, when I when the book came out in 2017. So for the last three years that has been, you know, my only thing is getting more women to live their purpose and getting more women to work on those latent ideas and the satisfaction you get when, you know, I give, I should say this is something that I've produced and you're actually purchasing from it. There's a lot of affirmation that comes from that. So of course, um, going into the COVID season, because now I had been doing it, you know, two years, we had launched the book, uh, kind of uh, Handbook for Women Doing Business, and then Circles for Women Doing Business, which is really the networking event. We couldn't do that. The our event in March was canceled, which was our right. second event, which was gonna be a, a fantastic event. And um, uh, we, we, couldn't, it, we couldn't quite take it online because the design was such that it was not an online event. It was more mm. of the way we designed the events are very intimate and face-to-face. And I was like, what are we going to do? And we had people asking, what are, we, you know, are you going to postpone it to next week? Because we, at that time, we didn't know that this lockdown was going to last us six, seven months. So um, I came back to the team because everybody was, you know, left. What are we going to do? And so we convened 
um, online as a team and I was like, you know what, we still had, there's still some conversations that can continue to be had during season, this season. And one of the things that had been part of the plan was to have masterclasses for women in retail. So we changed it and said, everybody has a smartphone. Even these women who are in retail, they have a smartphone. Let's reach out to them and ask them if they're willing to, uh, to talk about their businesses from their homes now during this COVID season. So we, that's how we started really now getting more and more women now speaking about their businesses. They would record them and we would edit them and then we put them on our YouTube, put them on our social media platforms. And we have found as we kept putting more businesses, more women asking us if they could feature and tell their story. We're like, oh, this is really, really great. Uh, people are actually listening to the six, seven minutes of this entrepreneur's story and they're still feeling like they're still connecting as a community of uh, female entrepreneurs. So that's one of the things that we did um, during this COVID season that I must say, I'm still ongoing. I mean, we're re releasing episodes every Tuesday now and amazing, so amazing businesses come out of the woodwork that we didn't even know. So people um, getting older to tell their exactly, stories. Yeah. Like, so talking about candid conversations, this circle that you've started, what is your objective of doing it and why is it so critical for entrepreneurs to be part of it? So um, I always tell uh, the women in business that their network is their net worth. Why do I say that? If you're intentional about building meaningful and deeper relationships, then the way you approach many things in uh, the networking process will, will change. I am so fortunate to have been able to have uh, built a very, uh, my social network, network to be very high in that I can call somebody and ask them at short notice for a favor and they've been able to respond. But when I look back at it is that the intentionality with which that relationship was built, whether it's for business, whether it's um, a personal, whether it's as a friendship, always taking time to understand what the person is passionate about, what they love, what what is the thing that they're most interested in, where is their their dreams, what, what are the, the, the vision that they have for themselves or for their organizations, always taking time to understand that integrally and deeply in order for us to build on it, even no matter where they go, whether they move on to different organizations or to different countries, we can still continue to have um, those conversations. So it's really about also being intentional in the networks that you do. Exactly. And there's, and going into everything, saying that every interaction, there's a lesson to be learned from that mm. interaction. So you're not diminishing any of the interactions that you have. You're taking them all as there's a reason why we're together at this point and at this moment in our lives. What can I add of value to this person when mm. we're having this conversation? And what will I remember to retain from what they're telling me that is of value to me? What inspired you to write that book, first of all? Because I think that, and take them through that process, because I feel that in Africa, we don't tell our stories a lot. Mm. Our stories are told by the West. Mm -hmm. How do we get more Africans, more Kenyans, to start telling their stories. Do you journal, Dorothy? Yes, sometimes. Yeah. When I'm when I'm going through some crazy times and I need clarity. So imagine writing is like journaling, only that it will be read by everyone, <laughs> by everybody. Right. No, okay. so I've journaled for um, most of my life. Anytime when I'm at a, a crossroads or a place of right. crisis, I've, I've I've made it a habit to to write my thoughts. And because sometimes I feel my thoughts run away with me. So I found with writing, I can slow them down and then you can go back and reread and like, what was that, Patricia? What space was that that you were in? Mm. So in 2014, um, one of my mentors nominated me for an award at um, in Florida mm -hmm. and I flew to, to Florida. The event was an event with very successful female entrepreneurs. I loved the experience. It was three days, just, you know, speaking as women. So we, are the, we already know we're there because we're entrepreneurs. So we don't need to introduce ourselves as businessmen, women, but we're speaking as women in right. business. And I just loved, I loved the way the event was planned. I loved the content of the conversations. There was something nurturing about being in that space. On the last night of the event, the gala dinner, we went to get our awards and we were, the awards were being given in order of the turnover of the businesses. And I remember sitting at this at, at the table and one of the ladies, you know how as an introvert, you kind of like tend to cling to the people who you feel oh, like the extroverts. the extroverts because then I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I am. I'll be just like mm -hmm, nodding. Yeah. One of the ladies who I had, I must have you know, shared two, you know, table, the tables were all, it wasn't free seating, so we were kind of like being seated. But I don't know, for some reason, there was no time. I think the, the event was so intense that there was no time to like Google the name of the person who you're seated next to. Oh, that's yeah. crying. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a crime. So, so that was really, 
So what happens is, so I go, my business was at that time was within the turn of about 500,000 to $1 million. So we went in with the babies, you know, the, the newbie businesses right. and we're like, yeah, we go get our award, come back and sit down, cheered, celebrated by everybody, even the people that you were sit, you're sitting next to. And then this, uh, this lady, I waited for her to go. She went, we went from 1 million to 10 million to $100 million. And then we got to $1 billion and above. And, and this she lady stood, stood up. <laughs> I'm like, thank goodness, I didn't know. I wouldn't, what did I have told her? <laughs> Poor old me. Wow, but how modest because, um, and I remember one of the businesses that was featured when the lady tells her story of how she started her this huge, huge logistics business. Her story was so relatable. She went on a cruise on her, for her honeymoon, right? And then her marriage lasted like, what, 10 years? Then uh, broke up when she booked the same cruise, she got a, a, a room without any windows and she said, why would I get a room like this? I need to find out more information. And that's how she built her business from offering uh, cruises to leasing out entire ships to owning ships, you know, because she but got a room without, without, wind. without windows. <laughs> so, so I love, I mean, the story is a story yeah. like that is relatable, but when you meet her on the cover of Forbes or on the cover of time magazine, you're like, she's never walked the same journey that I have, but actually she, she has. has. Yeah. So of course wow. I was, I remember I was so fired. I had gone there with my husband and we were coming back and I'm just like, I'm going to have to, I have to do this. I have to do this for that time. I was thinking Kenya because when you meet these women and we seem to have the same women always, you know, being given the, the microphone, where these unique, uh, mm -hmm. authentic stories that are so relatable and I know will encourage other entrepreneurs to venture into business. So of course, when you come back, what, what do you do? You start asking, hey, Dorothy, I'm thinking of doing this as well. Patricia, you know what? Forget it. Well, there's so many women events. Nobody's going to attend an event. Like you never listen to those naysayers. <laughs> did yeah. you listen? Uh, I did. That's how the book was built. I said, but I bet you there's no book about female entrepreneurs. So I said, hey, nobody's going to tell me because where's the book? Where's the book around right. female stories? So that's what happened. So I identified in my wish list of an event like that, which are the women I would like to interview, what are the stories, what is the content I'd like of an event mm. like that. And that's how we identified from 20 women. We, I think we zeroed down to the 18 women whose stories are scattered all around the book. But I really wanted it to be a how-to book. So it was not going to be an easy read where you're just going to sit back. No, you're going to actually... Right, there work. was work. There was work to be done. We're about building the business and getting your idea you know, out of wherever it's been hiding. And that's literally how I started. One of the chapters, in fact, because I wrote it to my sister-in-law who had already had experience with, with writing, but I know one of the chapters in the book it was from the notebook that I traveled to Enterprising Women, the things that I would love if I could get in a book, in a conversation. And it's literally that, and that's from the, one of the chapters in the book, not necessarily the first one, right. but it is in the content of the book. So that's how you start. You start by writing this, what, what would, what, how would you like it to flow? Mm. How would you like this context to be written? And you start like that. An editor will show you how the book is going to flow. Because somebody else is going to read it, read through it and ensure that the stories are, are, are flowing. And when you listen to stories about people who have written books, your first version and the 20th version mm. is very, very different. But you have to have the first version to produce the one that's going to go. So you don't try and make the first one perfect because it, never, it, won't, it won't be perfect. And how long did it take you to write the book? So I, it took us... Um, uh, around I would say from the idea so in 2014 and the book came out in 2017 I had a baby during that season right. and then I didn't I promised myself I wouldn't go back to the office until I had a proper you know at least something from start to finish and that's what 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 happened yeah so 2016 when I was back in the office is when now of course we were joined by my sister-in-law I started doing the content in terms of getting the, the, the women entrepreneurs on mm. board and because I always knew it was going to morph into a community of sorts I had to think through uh, those processes by the time we were launching in 2017. Yeah. And now you are having not only the book, but you're having these women events. Mm -hmm. The yeah. naysayers were wrong. Look at that. It's not about how many events it is. What is the content it's of the events that you're having? What has that taught you? Because when you look at the people who told you, and I guess they come from, a, a, they mean well because they don't have the courage to do it. Exactly. But what have you learned and what would you tell other people because there are many people saying no in mm. saying no to the things we want to do mm. saying no do you think you can do business no you can't do you think you have what it takes mm. do you think do you think mm. how do you speak to women who are considering many things and have been told no this isn't it mm. I, I think for me the first thing is you have to be willing to fail because I think that's the thing, and I don't know if it's our education system. I like that, yeah. yeah. You have to be willing to, you, there's, I don't think there's a there's jumping that mm. loop. So if you're so scared of um, failure, usually that's the thing that's holding us back. If I fail, what will people 
how will I forgive myself for failing? But fail, failure is such an important process of the creative process. That's how you build you build on it. So you have to be willing to, to fail. I'm a little bit like you and I didn't I would never have thought this and yeah, until now the, 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 the journey that I've been on. I'm also one not to listen to no's too much. Um, and I interrogate the no's. So I'm not like one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Interrogating yeah. the no's. Because yes. a lot of times we don't interrogate yeah, them. Yeah, we don't interrogate yeah. them. So how weighted is that no? Um, if I'm if I'm talking to somebody who's like somebody who understands the journey I'm on and says no, I'm still gonna carry the same weight than some random stranger telling me that cannot be done. So you have to let's weight these no's and, and and be willing to question and also be willing to say that I respectfully do not agree with what you're saying and I'm still gonna try. You may still fail and the other person may still be, but at least you'd have done right. you'd have done you'd have done that. So you must be willing to 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 fail the fear that holds every all women across the board when we are in a room eight women and you ask them send us anonymously what is the thing that you're most scared of fear or failure is i can tell you more than 60 of the women in a room of eight women will say that that are the biggest thing that holds us back yes we that, need to be bold mm. we need to be bold yeah. i like that and that leads us talking of failure to the next question when people look at you when i've googled you and i know you as my friend i knew you as a friend but i wanted to see what others were saying about you you're described as the iconic leader the entrepreneur it's like pat has never failed what is your one failure that you would willingly share and what was the lesson from that failure i have to pick from a pool of them oh, oh i like to hear <laughs> that there's a pool because i'm sure there are people who think Pat woke up, dreamt all these, no. and has just this success. Some things will never see the light of day. I, don't, it's, I think it's also the way you look at failures. If you turn the, the failure into a lesson, then suddenly then there seems to be no failures. Mm. I remember once, this is early in, when, in the business, when I had just started opening my office, and I kept my, my, the, my suppliers kept telling me, Patricia, you're paying us too much money. Imagine a supplier telling you that. You need to back, what's it called back integrate into your business. So you need to figure out a way in which you can retain more of the money that you're paying out. So what we were doing is, those, those days when we started, uh, this is very few companies were willing to put a lot of money on a freelance or an individual designer. Right. They still wanted to deal with the agencies. It's not like the way it is now where design has you know, value. So we always had to, to kind of like sandwich our design costs into production as well. Yeah. Mm. So because of that, you're, you're kind of like, you're messing up with your margins, you know, you're not really identifying where you're actually making uh, money. So this, this thing, I thank God for this um, supplier who's, I could also call a mentor in many ways, made me go back into my business. Said, Patricia, look, this year, you, you, you know, you gave us X number of millions in terms of sales. Yet you don't have a single machine. The industry, the print industry is evolving and it's changing. Everything is going digital. Mm. And the machines, uh, the printing presses, are, uh, printing, um, you know, printers are costing less and less. Now they're becoming more and more affordable. Why don't you introduce me to a, a supplier of his, by the way, yeah. and said so they now have, that time wide format printing was becoming all the rave, yeah? And he just said, talk to this guy and find out and see whether you can, you know, this year as the year starts, Buy, buy some of the equipment and see what happens. And, uh, so I had really, that thing had been going through my mind. So when I went back to the office, instead of looking at the place where I was doing, making my most money, I went and thought, I'm gonna get this cutting edge technology in branding, because I knew branding was where the money is. My margins were bigger on branding, definitely than on print. So we got this thing called a pad printer. I don't know, maybe the internet is not what it was at this time. We saw the product, it was coming, being shipped in from either the UK or China, I think Alibaba even or something. Anyway, the machine arrives on a night like this, comes it's brought by the trucks we remove the you know all the boxes and never mind that my husband had taken the loan because of course who lends a, an business a woman business. Business. Yes. so i have to go and get money from the closest source that i had so he had taken an overdraft on his account and the machine comes in they unpack it honestly dorothy it didn't even take me 40 minutes of looking at that machine and knowing i'll never use it imagine so we and this to, is how many millions it was no that time it was it was about 500k so that's okay. about yeah, $500,000. $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, I looked at that thing and I just said, I never used this thing. It was manual. It was, I just, you know how like, what were you thinking? Because it looked good on the picture. It looked, especially guess. when you see the finished product. Right. Beautiful. And remember taking money from somebody who's that close to you and yes. knowing that it has to be repaid. Right. I could not. And now you're not going to use it. I couldn't say a single word. I didn't sleep that night, honestly. It was the worst thing. But I said, the faster I admit that this thing is a failure, the more I can I'll move on and pay him the money that he's borrowed back so that I can um, hopefully invest in something else. And then we had to do it. 
because I knew there's no way we didn't have the it was too tedious too cumbersome you as a client would never buy anything that was produced from that item and it just we literally made a cover for it and it sat there paid back the money and moved on but I still bought a machine again a couple of years later yeah but now in more in the in line with what we were doing yeah so what was the lesson from that that you'd advise others first a I, how much experience did I really have in production of promotional material at that time? Not much. The bulk of my, my business was around the printing. That's, that's the, what I knew at the back of my hand. So I should have focused on extending, you know, educating myself on that line and extending it and extending the business. So you have to understand A, where are you making money? The, the second thing is how far back are you willing to go in that process of where you're making money so that you can control the process. So if you're in ma manufacturing, how far back do you want to go? Because there are people who can, in, in, you know, you can enter any stage of the line. So you have to think through, I think that was one of the big things of the process before mm. you go to buy equipment, make that kind of a big investment. Mm. I would say just do your homework, don't be driven by emotion. The numbers never lie. Look at your numbers and you'll, you'll know where you should invest. Yeah. That was how many years ago? 2004, I would say. because. 2006 I then went and bought my first white comic printer and then I bought all I started buying the accessories that accompanied that which were right. not small now those investments of 500 so you make your big investment and then now the add-on but by that time you know when 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 you bring let me tell you something about a machine when you're investing in something that's going to bring you money it starts making you money from the minute you turn it on honestly there's nothing like once you've turned it on if it's not a complex mach machine you can already see how as an entrepreneur where we are going to make money so like with the white format printer by the time I started, it was on the high seas, I had already started thinking in terms of that's a new product offering, already offering my clients, telling us we can give you posters yes, within right. 24 hours. We already started doing it. So we just started, you, mm. you, start, you don't wait until the machine now has landed is when you now start advertising for it. Because from then we just built, and now I don't even think, I mean, even investments, $10,000, $20,000, I'm able to do them quickly without too much thought because I failed quickly in the beginning and I knew what the things that I was looking out for. I still went and bought an embroidery machine. <laughs> No, you didn't. In 2013. Oh my, you and did. And I was just like, it, it was a rave then. Everyone was, let me tell you. I was just like, this is the thing. Spent all that money on that machine. I must have made, I could, we're not even doing sometimes 3,000 shillings a, uh, you know, in a day. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. But at that time, it sounded like a great idea because I was, I was doing a lot of embroidery work. And I was outsourcing a lot of it. But still made the same mistake. The only time this time is that I knew what kind of a machine to buy. And even when we did you sell it? Yeah, we, we sold it, and we still it's still retained in value because I, I still bought it with knowledge. It's just that at that right. time that my business was now you know going on a different trajectory, and we were not really pushing embroidery. Yeah, you had the knowledge. Yeah, so having the knowledge, the knowledge yes. to be able to make the right purchase, yeah, yeah. and so going and yeah. doing the due diligence, yeah. isn't it? Once we decided to sell. With the machine was sold within three months. You learn everything is a lesson. <laughs> everything is a lesson. Yeah. And we we're talking actually, even with Sarah, the previous mm -hmm. lunch, she was saying how you have to be open to be learning the lessons because some of us are really closed. You're one person who takes feedback, and I think that that really sets you apart from many people. I've done business with people, don't listen, they take feedback very personally. And I always believe that if you're a business, and you cannot listen to what the client is saying, then there's a problem. How can you help people? Because I think that's your forte, which is why your clients almost feel invested in your business, mm -hmm. because you listen. And even if you're not there, how do you, I don't know if you can teach people to listen, to listen to the client, to be able to accept feedback. Mm -hmm. How is it that you do it so easily? It's not, it's not easy. Do you know when I started um, with that, I was remember I was the designer, the driver, the delivery person so i would go and pitch i would do my designs mm. i would come and pitch them to you but i wouldn't say that i'm the one who's done the design because you'll be a little bit softer on me if you know that yeah that's a and secondly if you don't like them you will not t unless you're really really in a certain state you will not tell me so i would always come and pitch the idea like it was somebody else who had done the work so you, they, it would either be rubbished <laughs> which is, in design happens a lot i, I don't like any of the, the ideas i'd enter the car and i'm just like wiping those tears and i'm like I still have to deliver this thing tomorrow to the same the same client. So I think in a way that begins to toughen you you up because the same disassociation you're having when you're presenting the designs, somehow you have to be able to learn that when you're getting receiving the feedback. Mm -hmm. It's not Patricia. Do you know what? I actually like you, Patricia. What I don't like is the designs right. that you have produced or how you have translated my brief. So it's, it's not personal, it's not separating it. Separating. And as creatives, right. it's very difficult. You, I'm, I'm, there are very few people who are, like even great, great um, artists, yeah? They have to learn that art. Some, some people say that they love their art so much that they would never sell it. 
because they right. would, they can't imagine. I love it so much, but I can't imagine somebody criticizing to not looking after it. It's a learned process. The good thing about graphic design is uh, because we have a, a it's you're doing it on a device that dissociation can actually happen. So that's the first thing. Um, learn uh, your coping mechanisms when you're being given um, um, feedback. Right. Don't mm. love your product so much that you become the minute you just hear a negative comment you switch off because sometimes that little thing that you're being told to add mm -hmm. into your processes is the thing that's going to mm -hmm. make this thing a overriding success so i like people who are honest and I, even with honesty and even with feedback i still mm -hmm. do the same thing i still interrogate it the same way you're interrogating the nose the yays the same tool you still need to before you get the feedback so you have to be able to interrogate what is the purpose why is this person giving me this feedback and what why have they taken time to share the feedback with me not because they actually like something about what what i'm doing because why i go dorothy you're very busy why would you take 10 15 minutes unless you're crazy just to know right. because i actually like what you're doing but, but if you just do a little bit of this i think you'll be on the right track and even maybe and that sometimes that's the feedback that i have received is when somebody has told you that and they've actually will not work with you this time but i think it's good for me to tell you some of the reasons why and i think what you work on and maybe later we'll be able to work, work together again. especially when your business is small eh? kind of like gives you kind of like a goalpost to work mm. towards so mm. the sooner you can receive that feedback um uh, i think mm. the better the better mm. it is it's it's gold it's gold we were talking about i know you have these amazing visual boards which is part of the candid conversations and i love it because Part of mindfulness and part of what we teach as well in mindfulness is you need to start predicting these things in your brain. It's so important that you surround yourself with the right mindset, with the right people who think it, and tell your brain the positive messages. And so for me, when I saw the visual boards that you, you give out, I was like, this is such a powerful tool because if you dream it, you, it becomes so real. Yeah. And then you see it and you start taking off and going, oh my, this, this has happened. What, what led you to, to this place of inspiring the women with the visual boards? Because I journal, and I'm one of, I have lists, so I can say, I used to, before I knew what visual, um, um, vision boards were, resolutions, you're saying I had my list. By yes. the end of this year, these are the things that I'd like to accomplish. And it's so miraculous how by writing that list, even if it was in December, 31st December, when I looked at it the following year, mm. you find you, you're ticking off. Lots, isn't that it? That is so purposeful. Yeah, I'm just like, wow. So when I discovered this thing of vision boards, it just fell completely in what I had already been doing um, as an individual, as you know, as Patricia. And I think in pictures, I don't know about you, Dorothy, yes. but we think in, in pictures, especially in goals, when you think of, you can, when you see a picture, it, it evokes certain emotions. Of course, why not use photographs? And, and what we're even doing now is in, um, putting quotes as well that inspire you onto yes. your vision board yes. in order for you to accomplish these um, these goals. So I hadn't done some visioning for a, um, a couple of years, and then I started, you know, purposefully doing it as I spoke to women, especially with a, with since the launch of the book. And I couldn't believe how many women were not doing vision boards. So I said, I'm gonna I'm going to start talking about it, um, you know, in a very purposeful way in my conversations, especially towards the beginning of the year. And I remember doing. A vision board um, i think two or three years ago actually it's the same board i'm using it's just that now i built up on it right and, and it has a lot of has, things yes, that, yeah. that have happened. happened yeah so you can just you can take those off and then add right. and, and build up on it but right. you always have the one big hairy audacious goal my big hairy audacious goal and when i opened kayana was to have entrepreneurs or women thought leaders shape leaders from across the um, the world come and visit kayana this small little space that i have but that's right. the vision that i had for it i opened we opened Kayana on my birthday, March 15th, 2019. I kid you not, November 2019, we were hosting Melinda Gates. Tell me, Bila Vision, how is that even going to happen? No, I, I'm no a fan, you, you need that vision. So it's, the intentionality has to be there. Yeah, you create, even when you're creating the, you create right. the space, you're thinking through, be if this person, if Oprah is walking into Kayana. Right. I have to make it an Oprah-like. Yeah, I was, I was imagining if, um, if Michelle Obama uh, came in, you visualize it. Where yeah. did she sit? So you have. To, I feel it's such an integral part of the process. Even as I was preparing to come and speak to you, mm. you can't just come blind. You have to understand yes. where is Dorothy in you know in her life, so that when the conversations become you know relevant, yeah. it's the same thing with our intentionality, with our visions and our dreams. Right. We have to have them there. They have to be. Some of them will be big, hairy, and audacious. And then now you come back and take a step back and start working towards you know those goals. I want to have a six abs by next year. So that intentionality begins to sit in into your mind yeah. and into your 
uh, your habits, the um, uh, pleasant forming habits. I wanted to, I wanted to read more. There's a year I had gone where I had read, I think, something like three books, you know. When you read Unbowed, and then at the book club, they said, oh, they're going to read Unbowed by Wangari Madai, because you'd, you'd written such a good review. Exactly. And I was like, and I, that's I what have you to. You have yeah. to share. And I would never have read Unbowed because I'd be like, oh, you know, um, then what did I, what made, what made it happen is I was very intentional. I was going on to a podcast and they wanted us to talk about Unbowed. I bought the book but I didn't uh, finish reading it. Mm. That intentionality is there. And then you're like, you know, because mm. I'm supposed to be reading anyway X number of books mm. this year. This is a fantastic book to have on your, your reading list. Right. Yeah. So that's, for me, that, and it's not buying books to just sit on a shelf or sit in your Kindle. It's purposeful reading. And how do you do it? Then you share it with the community right. and that way they come right. on board. So I really believe if you want to become a thought leader, right. you need to read a lot. And how will people know I'm reading right. if I only keep it to myself? See, I must right. share it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us as we, we wind down about, you've talked about intentionality. How can people be more intentional? The first thing is introspection, yeah? Our first chapter in our book, we, we help you through that process of introspection. So you um, answer, we, we set aside a certain number of questions using the Maya Briggs, that's what we use, the Maya Briggs technique. Oh, right. And okay. then you answer those questions. But, you know, we, uh, women, many women find it luxury to self-reflection, self self especially if you have children, you right. have jobs, you're like, well, who has time? You have heard that before, who has time right. to go and self-reflect? Here we are sitting down, um, yeah. it was intentional. Somebody's done who started that process. How did we get to this, to, to where we are on? So the first thing is introspection. Introspection helps you identify your value system and the things that are extremely important to you. Right. And then from there you start saying, if I want to, if I want to be a, a, to be a, a place of happiness, yeah? Or a place where I'm, um, yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm happy. We can use that. What makes me happy? What are the things that make me happy? Then how do you make those things a part of your daily routine right. or your weekly routine and then daily routine? So that will take a lot of intentionality. Then you do the same thing for the things that don't make you happy. Yeah. What are the things that upset me? You know, you say chaos, confusion, right. people who are disorganized. How do I avoid being right. in that state of unhappiness right. because of these things? How many of those things can I control? And I find that as you do that, and it's habit forming, yeah, it doesn't just happen overnight. It exactly. becomes, it's, it's habit forming. So you either wake up for me, I have to wake up, maybe do a study, you mm. know, um, I, I like to read my Bible, I pick a study, maybe, and these days they have short studies, five day studies, six right. day studies on things that, I'm, that are interesting to me, including even things like women in business. And then you do your, your studying, um, meditate upon, you know, what you've thought about. Mm. If you have your notebook next to you, write things that you remember from it, and now you're ready to start your day right. yeah? and then now um, and ensure that the day is purposeful you're thinking through what you're doing you've planned it you've listed the things that you want to do and to accomplish even as an artist i hate routine and i hate predictability mm. but i found that part of my life works okay. it kind of like sets me on a on a on the path of enjoyment and of happiness from of my day and i even find with my children because i'm very intentional even with time that i spend with them right. they understand mommy likes things like this you know so it's i, I find that it, it, it works so it, as habit forming you become more intentional and more purposeful um more mindful of what you're engaging with who you're engaging with one of the biggest things and the hardest things that i had to do was to change some of my closest um friends it was when i started interrogating myself and my body system and then i started interrogating what how much time and what that time was right. worth it just they, they just couldn't align you know and then i had to take the big decision to disconnect from from that it's very 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 painful i say breaking up with your girlfriends is one of the most painful things it's true uh, to do especially us as women who just love you know you know uh, nurturing and speaking to each other and knowing that you've had friends for years but that intentionality released me to do a lot of the work that i'm doing now right. because i wasn't worried about oh pat what are you doing what are you trying to do you're trying yeah. to be an influencer you're trying to be and i could focus on the reason why i'm doing what i'm doing which yeah. is really to get more and more women to follow their passion and hopefully live off what their passion is right. yeah. and that's what you've done actually when you talk about this introspection is so important mm -hmm. because if we don't do that for me i value the times that's why i say i tell people even if you breathe just three breaths just to and put your phone aside and have that time where you're asking yourself so what was good about my day at the end of the day yeah you know just those questions and i think sometimes we don't ask ourselves those questions yeah. either because we are too busy or we're too much on the phone mm -hmm. but once we do that then we're able to be intentional about the things that make us yeah. happy yeah. and gratitude as well comes from there especially living in a society where there's mm. so much negativity just taking that time i love what you said at the end of the day and thinking as you lie down okay what did I like about my day-to-day? -day? Right. And then 
being grateful for the things that you yes. like and also thinking through about the things that you don't like you mm. didn't like about your day mm. and how you know especially when you have projects coming up and you know things that you need especially as a leader that mm. you need to give direction i don't like how it's going but how can i steer this conversation to go the way i want it to go right. in order for us to deliver the results that we want it's not a luxury in terms of you know growth as an individual or as a leader you have to and I think it's such a wonderful way to finish on gratitude. You know, what we are grateful for. I know that I was really looking forward to this this moment, this evening, because I knew we were going to chat and really grateful for what you're doing with women, mm -hmm. telling the untold stories, mm -hmm. encouraging us to tell those untold stories mm -hmm. and being the icon that people are looking up to. And I know that when people talk about icon, it sort of scares you, you're like, mm, yeah. that's not me. <laughs> but I think it's that, people look up to you and are saying, but I want that, I want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And therefore you're writing a story and people are saying, but I want that story too. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for thank what you you're so doing. Much. And thank it's you. a complete honor hearing it coming from you, especially because you have walked this journey, especially as, as an entrepreneur. And um, I think just what I can say is being in a position all through the years that I've known you, you've been in a position where you can help small businesses mm -hmm. and you have put your neck out to do that regardless of how the process may go you are, you're still willing to mm -hmm. do it and i think i would encourage more and more women in the corporate spaces and in areas of decision making take a chance on a small business mm -hmm. because if women hadn't taken a chance on patricia I wouldn't even be able to be having this conversation. Right. Thank you. And now that you're ending, in fact, now I feel like asking one question. People say that women do not support one another. What's your experience? Because that's what you do is you're saying women take chance on, I really do. I, for me, if it's a small business, I want to take a chance on a small business mm -hmm. because I think that we need to build our industry. And mm -hmm. how do we build that? By getting people to create, to do what they're doing. And so for me, our industry manufacturing level is at zero. So what can we do to support that? It's the large businesses that have to give the small businesses exactly. that leg up. Right. And that relationship is a nurturing relationship. relationship. Right. That's one of the things that people have to remember. Yeah. A right. small business is not a plug and play. Mm. It's actually a nurturing and hand-holding process. And I, we understand. Believe me, okay, I'll say I understand mm. from my 20 years now of running a small business that the person on the other side is also under a lot of pressure. Mm. So it's, I think, also picking the business to support. Mm. Is, does that person, is, are you in on the basic level, are you understanding that this person wants to deliver excellence? Mm. Yes, they do. Then now the nurturing relationship can come. But if you, as an entrepreneur, also doesn't, you don't want to up your game or you don't want to listen right. to, you know, the feedback and those things that this large corporate is telling you to do, then of course, then it's not going to happen. I have always had an extremely supportive um, what could I say, clients, Let's say, and they right. are mainly women. From mid-level, uh, when I started out, I was dealing with women who are at mid-level mm. management who are now growing into senior levels and some uh. of them even director levels. Uh. And I'm telling you, these people took a chance of, of, on me. There's a lady who I remember worked, I, she knew, she had they'd come from working with a large advertising agency and she looked for, uh, I was meant to be 27 at the time, probably mm. just finished, graduated from college three years ago, had just started with Atia. And she took a chance, moved from agency, international agency, to this girl who didn't, I think only all I had was a mobile phone. Mm. That if, without a nurturing relationship, there's no way I would have delivered mm. on any of the work that she was giving me to deliver, yeah? including willing to pay me a deposit, yeah, which I ended up being, buying a car right. to do her work with. You understand? Wow. She took a chance. That's such a huge, yeah. huge chance. Because somebody else would have taken taken the car and run with the money. Exactly. Yeah. So she yeah. must have seen some, something. Mm. And I say, that's a nurturing person. She must mm. have been in her a mother and whatever. She probably seen something in her children. Right. So there's something that she's... So if Judy had not taken that chance with me. Right. And once I delivered her work, because it was a multinational, mm. what am I going to do when I'm pitching for work? I will say... Use the company. Yes. The company name. I've exactly. Watch Google. And yes, she, I do and this. Most, you'll probably call, pick up the phone and say, "Hey, did you work with her?" She'll yes. probably tell you that. Maybe, yeah, she's a young business, but she's got potential. Right. All right, I'm willing to take that chance. Mm. Honestly, that's been my experience. Mm. Have I met women who have been crazy and have pulled me back? Yes, but it's not in a. It's, that was not a growth story. Right. So I don't add it to my repertoire of mm. things. My growth stories where I have had the biggest impact was nurturing relationships. Mm. Honestly. Uh, some of the most difficult people have tried to, uh, you know, to turn. You know, some, sometimes mm. you're seeing a client and you're like, this one, she just doesn't like the way I look, you know? Right. Yeah. But what do I do? I've learned also as I built, built my team. Patricia, you're not the, always the best <laughs> person, person to, to represent. Go to go there. Right. I quickly step back and move one of my 
um, my teammates to be mm. the leader in the project. You also have to be able to do that as a leader. Right. And say, listen, where are we going with this story? She, it's me. She does, for some reason, I'm repelling her, right? right? For whatever reason, it's not my fault. Right. right? But because we want to deliver the work, put the person who she's, mm. who the person is um, best connecting with. Then later, as you grow through the experiences and through conversations like this, hopefully they will hear right. that actually, yeah, I have an opportunity to change how I mm. approached this um, this situation. But for me, it's been nurturing, it's been growing, and that's why my, I'm 100% vested in this process with women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you talk about that, you talked about, it's almost like you have to be self-aware, but I think that that's also not very easy. Yeah. You need to be a leader who's self-aware where you're saying that the person doesn't like, maybe we're not getting on well. I think my team member is the one who yeah. needs to represent the company. Yeah, yeah. You really need to be self-aware. Yeah, and a lot of time, leaders just sometimes especially in small in small, small businesses, businesses where people yeah. feel, i am the face of this company i need to be seen what what is your advice for for for, for people and i see a lot of those and i'm like and it's Whoa. humbling yes i remember one of my team members maybe five years ago and this is the thing i think that affirmed what i what that it's, you need to step aside for this account mm. she brought in probably three times as much business that i was bringing in when I was the one the lead in the account. Mm. So that is, I mean, sometimes you, you'll be shocked. They might not do things the way you do things because mm. there's many ways to skin a rat, yeah? So they might not do things the way you're doing it, mm. but imagine how much growth it's going to give your business if you can have three, four people who can negotiate and speak to clients the same, the same mm. way you as the lead can do. Mm. And sometimes do it even better. Mm. That's where the growth comes in a small business. When some, you can take, you can go and take a holiday and somebody else is still, the sales are still coming in and they're still, uh, even with small businesses and still multiplying. So you have to be able to nurture a team, somebody who you can step aside, go have mm. your baby, go, go for vacation, whatever it is, and the business, and the business conti continues to run. For me, that's where real growth is. And I would encourage women to start your business knowing that you are in a way that you know you want to hand it over to somebody else to run. Mm. What are the things that you put in place in order for it to be as consistent, uh, as consistent an experience for your customer? Right. That's how you begin to grow to grow your business. Even with me and you, we talked for the longest, and I gave you one of my teams. Yes, Sometimes exactly. it doesn't go really well, but somehow it's you. I mean, you yeah, nurtured her. Right. I wish I could get Carol on the phone now, honestly. Yes. And I'll send you your message sent to me. She said, Patricia, that is one of our best customers, simply because of mm. that process of being agreeing to. Patricia, you don't have to work on the job. I'm willing to work with this young girl. Right. And then you nurture her and grow her. Right. It's a, it's a powerful thing as a business owner to be able to do that. And the business will thank you later for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. What is the fear of business owners? Because I hear in Kenya a lot of people saying they're going to take my business. And therefore, I just have to be there. Have you ever had that fear? That's people are going to start the same. They're going to start small Kayanas everywhere, small Willards everywhere and your business is going to die you know that's that, that's where i don't know if you've heard me spoke, speak about abundance i'm no. so passionate about abundance and this is where it comes from it's the abundance the scarcity mentality is that you'll only be able to start one business you know and right. that's it right so this one idea of printing and whatever is the only thing you'll ever do in your life path and therefore if you right. let anybody else do it they'll take away one idea but I think the world has shown us that that is actually many, not the case. Right. That it's actually not the case. So what I would say is you must embrace an, an abundance mentality even mm. in your business. Mm. You have to share your ideas. You have to share your processes with your team. You have to and take them to meetings with you so that they can mimic and copy mm. um, the good things about you as an entrepreneur and maybe build on that to be their own. That is actually what grows the business. So you must embrace an abundance mentality. Will your team um, members start their own businesses? Uh, if you're doing it well, most likely they will because right. they'll also see an opportunity for themselves. But that should not stop you from sharing your experiences. I love that. Yeah. Somebody yeah. told me that there's only, you can, because I'm an individual, I'll have my way of doing things. Mm. And if my way is the thing that has been successful for the business, yeah, then it will continue being the process that is embedded. They'll never right. be, you may be 101 branding companies, but why do you like to work with the one that you work with. There's a reason why, even mm. you as a customer, there's a reason why you like to do that. And you'll even find, like for me, even with my suppliers, I have multiple suppliers mm. and I know the one that is going to deliver on time, mm. the one that understands my brief quickly, then there's the one that will take yeah. their time and deliver mm. a world-class process. So you know, even when you're doing the distribution of work, who you're going to give to your suppliers. Mm. Why should it be any different in, in business? Yeah. So build a great company. Yeah. 
encourage your team to develop an entrepreneurial spirit which is mm. creating ideas from within and the possibility of them moving away you know and doing their own identify the stars in your business those are the people who grow your business they stay mm. with you they give you everything for five or six years max right. and then they move on those are the wonderful people who grow your business yeah don't try and keep them in, right. you know working for you when they're ready to get their wings and fly release them right. many times they'll bring you somebody else who you know will replace them I mean, right. it's amazing so for me that's what i've done with the people who have been the stars given me six seven years it's fine even yeah. they have their own dreams as well right but they're the ones that grew the business anytime i had two you know like one one year two years staff members it was very very disruptive mm. and we couldn't really grow our offering but when you have people who you know are entrepreneurs who know they have great plans they want to start their own business they'll give you the time right. and because they want to learn because they want to learn and then they will be honorable and leave you mm. will get a few bad you know uh, eggs but majority of the time they're really great people really honest people really um uh, people who have a, a strong value system mm. make the best teams but they'll also want to leave and do their own thing it's just it's how it is i love that and that's <laughs> such a positive note to end our episode today abundance having the abundance mentality mm -hmm. and letting people go when the time is mm -hmm. right not holding on mm -hmm. not holding on thank you so much bad well that's all today in your head where we learn to live in the present moment Thanks for listening. Join me again next Tuesday and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I'm on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Please share the link in your circles and do rate me. You can also follow me on Instagram, Nohead Podcast, and check the website www.nohead. Dot space that wraps up what I have for you today. Catch you next time, my friend. May you be intentional in all you do. May you be passionate and may you leave off your passion. Bye-bye.